You are listening to the Grace Covenant Cornelius Audio Podcast. Hi, we're Chris and Carrie Carr. So, Chris and I are flight attendant crew members. We get the privilege of traveling all over, meeting all kinds of different people from different lifestyles. My wife and I were the first two flight attendants to get married at Piedmont. Uh, we're now at their three mergers, American Airlines. So we're the first ones to be married, first ones to have a child. And um, as a result, people have always watched us. Yeah, even the even management has watched us. Um, so we've always had an eye on us, uh, and God has pr- walked with us the whole time and has given us an excellent opportunity to walk out Christ's life. I had a lady on my plane the other day, and she's sitting on the aisle, and she was really weepy. It was a full flight. There was no place to sit next to her, but I bit down next to her, and I asked, what was the matter? And she said, I'm just so sad. I lost my husband recently. This is his Bible. This is my, my favorite thing that he left me. And it was this old, tattered, tattered, loved Bible that she was going over and over again. And she said, I know I'll see him again. It's going to be okay, but I'm just really, really sad today. And and I gave her a big hug, and we got to go sit, uh, stand in the back galley and talk a little bit. And at the end, she gave me a big hug, and she said, you know, the Lord sent you to me today. I asked for some encouragement, and you were it. And it was it, um, it hit me really strongly because, you know, I always ask the Lord to use me every day. And then when he does, I don't know why I act surprised, but it was just <laughs> so awesome that I just was privileged to be there that day and just love on that great woman. When we parted, I said, you know what? I probably won't see you again, but I will see you later. And we gave each other another little hug. And it was just a sweet, sweet God nugget moment. We have a friend at work and um, he's uh, not a believer. And our daughter has gone through cancer twice first time she was healed through doctors and the second time through prayer and uh, many times we sit on the jump seat and he's a non-believer and it just so happens that he now has cancer and he's calling me and we're talking and we're engaged in that conversation um, so it gives me an excellent opportunity to to uh, talk about my faith and what it's done for us and what it can do for him and he's searching right and now. he's researching friend always says to me Carrie bloom where you're planted and I love that saying because that really is a profound thing be content where you are God has you there for a reason go with it and do share your faith boldly Um, it can start out definitely just like like I said before uh, working with um, integrity and then being authentic when you speak to them be real because they're watching they want to know that you're a real person when you're speaking uh, about the Lord to them or, or just talking about their story and your story they want to know it's real so Um, I think integrity and authenticity is the two main things that you need to have before they listen to you. And I think one of the the problems that men have, they get caught up in, is their identity and their self-worth is what they do for a living. Um, I had to get past that a long time ago as a male flight attendant back in the early days. Um, And it's not who I am or what I am. It's what I do for a living, but it's not who I am. And, And again, I would encourage people to open up by asking questions. And I know for us, we have a great story with our daughter, a God story with our daughter that we're able to share. And other people can't say, well, that's not true because it was it happened to us. But if you ask other people why they think the way they think or why they do what they do, um, you'll find some interesting answers and opportunities to to go deeper. We say Merry Christmas really loud at the end. We don't care. <laughs> we don't lay up on Jesus. I was no, we say don't. That. We know, you know, we don't. I don't think Jesus likes it when you when you don't lay up. So no. we lay up. We don't lay up on Jesus.
Wow, what a what a great story! Two individuals, my friends, Chris and Carrie, who are committed to telling their story. You know, when we encounter Jesus Christ and we encounter like the Christ of Christmas, how many of you know we have a story to tell? We have the story of the wonder of God's grace, God's provision, and God's work in and through our lives. So like Chris and Carrie, as you just heard on this video, what do we want to do? We want to look for opportunities to share our God story with others, right? That they would know the reality of what Christmas is all about. As I said last week, the Christmas story is a story that happened, but it's still happening today. In other words, there was an event that happened in Bethlehem. There was a date and a time, but it's a story that's still happening. Why? Because it's a story of redemption. It's a story that's still happening like in our congregation, in our families, in our community today. Now, I love the way John summarizes the miracle of Christmas in one verse. This is what he wrote. John chapter 1, verse 14 says that God became flesh and moved into our neighborhood. God became flesh that he might bring salvation for mankind. And it's that story that we get to tell. And it's the story that we get to continue to experience in and through our own lives. Well, this morning we're continuing in this series that we have titled Christmas Stories as we look to the Gospel of Luke. So if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and look with me. Matthew, Mark, Luke. And we're going to look at a group of individuals this morning who were like the most unlikely of individuals to get to be a part of the Christmas story. And we're going to see what we can learn from their lives, being the lives of the shepherds this morning. You know, for the shepherds, it had to be like one of the most frightening, exhilarating experiences anyone could ever have. I mean, can you imagine it's like a calm Night, Like maybe hundreds of others they had experienced. They're out on the hillsides surrounding Bethlehem, maybe between Bethlehem and Jerusalem. And they're just doing what they do. What do shepherds do? Well, they take care of sheep. So here it is, calm, quiet night. All of a sudden, the heavens explode, right? And there's an angel that speaks to them. And then there's this host of angels. How many of you know that'd be enough to make you pee your pants, right? <laughs> I, think, I think the shepherds had to do a little laundry after this event. But frightening, but yet exhilarating, as they had the privilege of being the first ones to hear of the birth of the Messiah, the first ones to hear of God bringing his plan to fruition through that of a virgin being Mary, birthing that of the Messiah, our Savior. And it's interesting, and we're going to look at this this morning, but the response of the shepherds was basically twofold. They worshiped and they told. They worshiped God for what he was doing that they got to be a part of. What they experienced and what was happening in in their lives. And then they went and told anyone and everyone that would listen. They worshiped and they told. What a great response. And even should be our response. But as we we think of the Christmas story and we think of the birth of the Messiah, I think it's interesting that the first announcement came to the shepherds. I mean, like if you were going to, give birth and you were sending out birth announcements, you wouldn't like send them to people you didn't even know, would you? I mean, if you were going to send out birth announcements, you would probably send them what? To family and friends, right? Because they would be the ones who would most likely want to be there, want to share the experience. Yet when God invites the first individuals to give witness to the birth of the Messiah, he invites a bunch of like, um, no name shepherds, um, 
a bunch of smelly shepherds. They got to be the first ones to witness the birth of the Messiah. You know, I think it's interesting that God did not send the angels with this announcement to the priests in the temple. I mean, think about it. I mean, it's the priests who are daily conducting worship in the temple. But God didn't send the angels to the priests to say, hey, the Messiah is born. God didn't send the angels like to Herod, King Herod, and to his court. He didn't like inform the, the political world of what was happening um, in Bethlehem. Rather, he chose, again, some unnamed, unknown shepherds who were out on the hillsides taking care of the sheep. You know, today when we, when we hear the Christmas story, as we're going to read it here in Luke chapter 2, as we see nativity sets, there's always shepherds, right? There's, there's the stable, there's obviously Mary and Joseph, there's the baby being baby Jesus, and then in the nativity set, there's always what? Shepherds, right? Are you with me? And we see that and we think, wow, that is so neat and so nice. And it kind of gives us these warm feelings. You know, there's the shepherds kneeling around uh, the Savior. Uh, and we think it's pretty amazing. But before we read the text this morning, let me tell you a little bit about shepherds. Shepherds were like not the most popular guys in the world. Um, they were uh, religious outcasts and they were social outcasts. Yet, they, again, they were the ones that was invited to give witness to the birth of the Messiah. They were religious outcasts because they were unclean. I mean, every day they're out in the fields taking care of sheep. They could not follow like the daily ritual of purification, like, like they're going to wash their hands before they eat. I mean, they didn't do that because oftentimes they were not in a place where they could. So they could not follow the rites of purification because they were filthy. I mean, if you've ever been around sheep, talking about a stinking animal. When I was in college, one of the jobs I had was working on a sheep farm. And it, I'm telling you, they're some of the smelliest animals you've ever been around in your life. And so here's the shepherds hanging out with the sheep day after day. What They're going to be filthy. They were unclean. Not only that, because of their work. And it was not like a 40-hour-a-week job. This was like 24 hours a day, seven days a week. They were with the sheep all the time. So like when there was these um, holy days, like the Passover, like the other festivals, they couldn't go up to Jerusalem and worship like everyone else because like somebody's got to take care of the sheep, right? Come on, get on board with me. somebody got to take care of the sheep, right? Obviously, y'all are not farmers. So they couldn't make these worship events, so they were considered religious outcasts. Yet, they're the ones that God visited. Not only were they religious outcasts, they were social outcasts. They were constantly on the move, and like no one trusted shepherds. Matter of fact, if something, if something happened to come up stolen, guess who would always get blamed? It would be the shepherds, right? And even in this culture and time, a shepherd could not give testimony at trial because they were not considered to be trustworthy. I mean, that's the way people thought of shepherds. Yet again, these were the individuals that God chose to send the angels to to bring the announcement of the birth of the Savior. So let's read as recorded in Luke chapter 2 about the shepherds and the Christmas story. Beginning with verse 8. It says, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. 
But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angels, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest of heavens, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Verse 16 says, So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what they had been told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all of these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had noticed, they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. You know, I believe, though the scripture doesn't say, I believe that this was a defining moment for the shepherd's life. How many know what a defining moment is? It's an experience that you have in your life that defines your life. So maybe it changes the direction of your life. Or it helps you see things a little different. I believe this was a defining moment as the disciples came um, to the manger responding to the announcement of the angels. And they were encountered by the Messiah. They step into the presence of Emmanuel, God, there in the manger. I believe that their lives were forever changed. This being a, a defining moment. They were the first to be told of Christ's birth. They were the first to respond in worship. Now, an interesting twist of this story, and this is not in the text we just read, but scholars today believe that the very shepherds that would have received this announcement were raising lambs that would be presented to the priest for the possibility of being a lamb without spot and blemish, a lamb that would be sacrificed. Because see, every day in Jerusalem, the priests were conducting worship, and in the process of worship, they would take a lamb, a lamb without spot, without blemish, the perfect lamb, and it was that lamb that would be sacrificed in the process of worship. So think about this. Here's the shepherds caring for a flock of sheep, and they're raising lambs, that would be presented to the priest, possibly to be sacrificed. Now they are invited to give witness to the Lamb of God that has been born. Isn't that interesting? Peter wrote about this. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18 and 19. Peter says that we were not redeemed from our empty ways of life by perishable things like silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Jesus, the Lamb of God, a Lamb without spot or blemish. So here are the shepherds raising lambs, possibly that would be sacrificed. Now they're invited to kneel before the Lamb of God. Interesting. And so what did they do? They worshiped. And I think that's what's interesting about the shepherds. This group of shepherds became uh, this defining point, this transformation in their lives. They became worshiping shepherds. They went back to their flocks. The scripture says they returned. So we could assume that they returned back to the life of a shepherd. And that's what they knew. But as they returned, their lives were different because of this defining moment. And they became worshiping shepherds. So, so from this story of the shepherds, let me talk with you just for a couple minutes 
about your life and my life being a life of worship. Because I believe because of Christmas, because of God's redemption story, because of His His grace to us and the salvation we've experienced, what your life and my life should be a life of worship. Would you agree with that? I mean, what, what should naturally flow from our lives? It should be worship. Why? Because of the wonder of God's redemption story. Because of what we've experienced, like the shepherds, that our lives would be a life of worship. So look into the story. How can we do that? How can we make our lives a life of worship? The first is this. I would encourage you, don't fear God's presence. Don't fear God's presence. And when, when the shepherds were first encountered by the angels who brought the birth announcement, they, they were terrified. And I think all of us would have been if we were in their shoes. But they didn't allow fear to keep them from hearing and responding. They didn't allow their fear to keep them from going to Bethlehem to see what the angels had told them about. They didn't allow fear to keep them from God's presence. And I think that's the first thing we can learn from this story. If we're going to live a life of worship, well, we don't want to be those who are running from God's presence. We want to be those who are running to God's presence, right? But we want to be those who are, who are aggressively, passionately pursuing God's presence. I know... For some of you, maybe you feel, you know, that's a little radical for me. Listen, if there's anything you want to be radical about in your life, you should be radical about your pursuit of Jesus. But we want to find ourselves pursuing his presence, not fearing his presence. Because listen, this is what the scripture says. The scripture says that in his presence is fullness of joy. The scripture tells us that in his presence, there's power and provision. In his presence, there's peace. In his presence, there's, there's satisfaction. So I encourage you, first and foremost, to live a life of worship, that that would be the story of our lives. We don't want to fear God's presence, but we want to be radical worshipers who make worship the very way that we process life. So may, may worship not, to, not just be an event for us, but may worship be how we do life. Why? We've been encountered by the Christmas story. Not just that we've heard the Christmas story, but like the, like the shepherds, we've We've been encountered by God's grace and it's transformed our lives. And then like the shepherds, we also want to look for good news. Look for good news. As the angels brought this announcement, uh, listen to what they said to the shepherds. They said, hey, don't be afraid. Let me tell you, we have some good news for you. And then the shepherds, in response to what the angels said, they went looking for the good news, right? The scripture says the shepherds had this little conversation among themselves. They said, hey, let's go check out what happened in Bethlehem. What they went looking for the good news. And for them, the good news was the reality of the Messiah being born. That was the good news. But they went looking for the good news. And when they found the good news being the birth of the Savior, it was there that they worshipped. And this is what I would encourage you to, my friends, is I would encourage you to look for the good news. And this is what I believe is happening all around you. And the good news for the shepherds was the birth of the Savior. The good news for us today is that of the work of Christ in us, through us, and all around us. How many of you know God's always at work, right? God's always at work, and it's happening around. This is what I know. Man, there's good stuff. There's God's stuff happening around you all the time. But you know what we have to do? We have to train ourselves to look for it. And when we discover it, and again, it's all around us, what naturally flows out of our lives is worship. When we, when we see the good 
that God's working in our lives, through our lives, for our lives. Our natural response is worship. Worship overflows our lives. And then get this. This is what happens. You become a place of God's presence. How do I know that? Psalm 22 verse 3 says God inhabits the praises of His people. So as we look for the good, as we see the good of God happening in us, through us, all around us. And like the shepherds, what our, our natural response would be that of, of worshiping. So we, we look for the good news, but we don't want to stop there. We want to experience His wonder for ourselves. Experience His wonder. You know, the shepherds were not satisfied just to hear the good news. They wanted to go and see the good news, right? When the angels brought the announcement, they didn't say, oh, that's great news. Give each other a high five. Then go on about their routine of business. No, they said, hey, we want to go and see. We want to see this wonder for ourselves. We want to experience this wonder for ourselves. Listen, folks, there's a big difference between hearing and experiencing. There's a big difference from hearing about Jesus and experiencing the wonder of Jesus for yourself. I don't want to just hear about a great apple pie. I want to experience a great apple pie. I don't want to just hear about someone brought me a double layer pecan pie just before the service. Say, I've hit it so you'll never be able to find it so I can talk about it. I don't want to just hear about that, my friend. I want to experience it. Right? I don't want to just hear about a great restaurant. I want to experience it with you. I want you to take me with you to experience the restaurant. Right? I don't want to just hear about it. Several years ago, Someone asked me, said, uh, Pastor, have you been to the, um, to the Billy Graham Library? I said, no, I, I hadn't been able to make it. They said, you know, you really should go. It's an awesome experience. And uh, I just kind of shook my head and said, okay. Uh, it really wasn't high on my priority list. I didn't think I would want to go through a tour of, you know, just stuff. Uh, it, it, it didn't seem important to me at the time. Well, a couple years later... Some of my friends came to town. They said, hey, we want to go see the Billy Graham Library. That's one of the things we want to do while we're here. And so I, I took them down to the Billy Graham Library. Obviously, I went on the tour myself. Um, and it wrecked me. I, I don't know how to say it any other way. That It wrecked me. Not so much what Dr. Graham did, although I have great respect for the man of God, but what God did through one man, God's redemption story through one man, as I read happening after happening, man, I was, I, I had to find a dark corner because I, I, I was crying. I mean, it, it wrecked me. How many of you know, there's a big difference between hearing and experiencing. Listen, don't just hear about the wonder of the birth of Christ. Experience it for yourself. In other words... In this Christmas season and in this coming year, may you be a radical pursuer of Christ that you experience His wonder for yourself. And then you don't want to stop there. You want to make sure you tell your story. Tell your stories. As we read of the shepherds, it's not just that they heard from the angels. I mean, you know, that would be pretty exciting. Not just that they heard from them, not just that they went to the stable. They did. They gave witness to the birth of the Messiah. But then this, then this is what they did. The scripture says they went and they told anyone and everyone who would listen. But they went and told their story. The story of what they had experienced. The story of what they had seen. The story of what God was doing. Listen, this is what I know. Every one of us have a God story. Right? 
Listen, if you're here today and you know Christ is your Savior, let's start there. You have an amazing God story of how His grace came to your life and saved you, a sinner who deserved hell, turned your life around and set you on the right path. I mean, you know, we got a, we got a story to tell. The story of the wonder of God's provision in our lives. The story of how God works in our lives. For Listen, every one of us have a story to tell. So tell your God story. Find someone. You know, just this past week, I had an opportunity to tell someone my God story. A gentleman who was in a really difficult, adverse place in his life. And he was seeking some answers. And so I got to talk with him about my God story, about how God's been faithful in my life. And how I have discovered joy and hope in the midst of just challenging stuff. Because life at times gets challenging. And I was able to tell him simply my God story. And as I was telling him my God story, this gentleman came to realize that he needed Christ in his own life. And I had the privilege of praying with him as he received Christ as his Savior. What a miracle happened. The miracle of Christmas happened. And all I did was tell my story. My God story of God's God's redeeming act in my life. I encourage you, like the shepherds, share your story. Tell your story to others. And then like the shepherds, lastly, we want to praise God for everything we experience. Verse 20, I, I love how this verse reads. It says, the shepherds returned. Notice how they returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had seen and heard. So after the encounter The shepherds went back to shepherding, but because of what they had experienced, because of God's work, they were celebrating. They were were praising and glorifying God. So what we want to, we want to give God praise for everything we experience, for what we hear and for what we see. And that every day we would be, we would be living out praise to God, first of all, because of what we hear. How many of you know God speaks to us through His Word, right? We're going to talk about that first of the year. God speaks to us revealing His truth. God speaks to us giving direction. And in so many ways, God reveals truth to us. So what we want to give God praise for what we hear, but also for what we see. How many of you know we get to see some amazing God stuff? I mean, the story I just shared of of the Love Our Neighbor campaign, the stories we get to experience every day, seeing that of the wonder of God's work in our lives and through our lives and the lives of those around us. What do we want to do? We want to praise God for everything we experience. And as we choose to look for God's working and as we choose to give Him praise, this is what I know. Three things are going to happen. God's going to be honored. Your life will be enriched. And God will work in your life in greater ways. That's what, that's what happens. When I choose to live a life of praise... I'm creating this place for God's presence to dwell. What happens? And God shows up doing greater things in my life. Hey, listen, he'll do the same for you. Listen, he's no respecter of persons. But you can create that place yourself. What? As we celebrate that of the work of God, like the shepherds, giving glory and honor to God for what we hear and what we see. So we want to be like the shepherds. End of the story is this. We want to be like the shepherds. But the shepherds responded to God's redemption story with worship, but it didn't stop there. They went and shared it with others. They simply went and told what God had done in their lives, what they'd seen and experienced. Like like Chris and Carrie in that opening video, they simply tell their God story. Folks, in this Christmas season, 
Certainly we want to celebrate. I encourage you to do that. Every chance you can, throw a party. Right? Every chance you can, throw a party. Celebrate the wonder of Christ coming to bring salvation for mankind. But don't, don't stop with just celebration. Like the shepherd, let's tell our story. The story of God's redeeming grace in our lives. So I want to I leave you with a really simple question. And we're going to pray about it this morning. But here's the simple question. Who today needs to hear your story? Who in your neighborhood needs to hear your story? Who in your workplace needs to hear your story? Who in your school needs to hear your story? Who in your family needs to hear your story? Because again, the Christmas story is still happening today. It happened some 2,000 years ago. But it's happening every day through this church, in this church, in our community, as individuals embrace Christ as their Savior. It's the miracle of Christmas happening. It's the miracle of God's redemption story playing out through your life, through my life. So again, here's the question. Who needs to hear your story? Would you pray with me? Lord, I, I thank you this morning for the wonder of this season. I thank you, God, for the miracle of salvation. Lord, that's so changed our lives. Like the shepherds, we have had a defining moment as we've been encountered by the Savior. Our lives, God, have forever been changed. And God, for that, we're grateful. God, humbly, gratefully, we come this morning. Not just celebrating a holiday, but celebrating the very reality of God becoming like us. Wow. What a story we have to tell. And so, Holy Spirit, I ask this morning a couple of things. First, that you would help us see those around us who need to hear our story. Holy Spirit, give us eyes to see that individual who's hurting, that individual who's in need, that individual who's lost, that individual who would be open. Help us to see. And then secondly, I pray, give us courage to tell our story. Because in telling our story, this God, really what we're doing is we're worshiping you. We're giving honor to you by declaring who you are, Savior of the world. So Holy Spirit, help us to see who we need to tell our story to. And secondly, Holy Spirit, give us courage to step out and to tell of the wonder of the season and that of, God, your redeeming work in the world today. And God, I just thank you. Lord, as it happened for me this past week, Lord, I thank you that we get to be a part of your redeeming story in our community and in our world. Lord, I just thank you for what you're going to do to the individuals here this morning as we simply say, hey, we're going to go out and tell our God story like the shepherds to anyone and everyone who will listen. God, I thank you for the miracle of Christmas that's going to happen for individuals as they open their lives to you. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.